Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Governor Gavin Newsom's plan to compel severely mentally ill Californians into treatment has cleared its latest legislative hurdle, despite concerns from civil liberties advocates. KQED politics reporter Guy Marzarati has more. Orange County Senator Tom Umberg says the care court plan he's backing, which would have a judge oversee mental health treatment, is voluntary, though there's a price for not participating. If you choose otherwise and you choose not to participate, not to cooperate, then the alternative typically is conservatorship. That is, in fact, involuntary treatment. Shanique Williams is with the prison reform group Dignity and Power Now. And that involuntary treatment, as far as the black community is concerned, is an extension of the carceral system. San Jose Assemblyman Ash Kalra echoed those concerns, but was the only vote against the bill in the Judiciary Committee. The bill now moves to the Assembly Health Committee. For the California Report, I'm Guy Marzarati. AIDS treatment experts say public health authorities need to take more urgent action to slow the spread of monkeypox. That's a viral disease that's disproportionately affecting gay men or men who have sex with men. AIDS Health Foundation President Michael Weinstein says officials must emphasize measures that have worked to slow the spread of sexually transmitted diseases. So one of the things we're calling for today is a return to condom use. This uh, could be helping to prevent the spread of monkeypox. Weinstein's foundation called on Los Angeles County health officials to do more to get that message out. And staying on the topic, there are at least a dozen confirmed or suspected monkeypox cases in L.A. County. Health officials say most of them seem to be travel-related, and at least 100 people who may have been in close contact with someone who's been infected are being monitored. Dr. Paul Simon, the county's chief science officer, says monkeypox is still very rare, but... We're concerned at the health department because we've not seen an outbreak like this with monkeypox ever, really. There have been other outbreaks smaller associated with uh, with exposure to infected animals, but this seems to be spreading between people. So there is some concern on our part, but I think the general public should not be alarmed by this. Simon says if you have symptoms such as a fever, aches, and a rash with blisters, you should see your health care provider. Meanwhile, health officials in Sacramento County, where the first confirmed case of monkeypox was reported in the state, say they've discovered another probable case in their region. That means there have been a total of eight confirmed or likely infections in Sacramento County in less than a month. Monkeypox usually spreads through close or prolonged contact with an infected person or contaminated items, such as bedding or clothing. The CDC reports at least 142 confirmed monkeypox cases nationwide, including 37 in California. 
Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. This week, we're profiling some investigations into CAL FIRE. That's the state's firefighting department. Today, we turn to a series from the news outlet Cal Matters, and what its reporting says is a mental health crisis among firefighting crews. Cal Fire doesn't track suicide or PTSD data within its ranks, but dozens of its firefighters across all levels of seniority spoke to Cal Matters. They describe what sounds like a hidden epidemic of mental health problems within one of our state's most crucial group of workers. Here's one voice from that series. Jeff Burrow, a Cal Fire Battalion Chief in Riverside County. I can't in good conscience tell uh, a new employee uh, that it's a place that I would recommend they stay under the circumstances. I can't do it because I'd be lying. We've had 80% of our guys in a single station go through a divorce in the calendar year because they haven't been home. Cal Matters journalist Julie Card is reporting this four-part investigation into the mental health challenges facing firefighters, and she joins us now. Hi, Julie. Hi, good to be with you, Saul. Can you start by telling me about the early stages of your reporting on this story? How did some of these patterns start emerging to you? Well, I originally thought about the language I was hearing from Cal Fire chiefs and from the U.S. Forest Service leaders for the first time in the last couple of years, we heard them talking rather candidly about fatigue, stress, PTSD injuries in a way that is not common in the fire service. These are stoic folks who can do, they rarely talk about their problems in that way or give any inkling that there are any. So I was thinking, all right, I'm going to do a story about guys being tired (laughs) and as I got into it, I began to realize it was quite a bit more than that. And it, it, it morphed into these four parts. How have these kind of problems and what firefighters are wrestling with, how come they've been off of the radar for so long or, or have they been? You have so many barriers to getting help, which start with recognizing your own problems, which I guess I'm not handling this well. Then you have to seek help. And these guys have a very real concern about what might happen in their career if they say, yeah, I had a hard time in that fire. I saw something or experienced something that I found traumatic and I can't get it out of my head. That's trauma. But they worry that that will have implications in their career in in terms of uh, being promoted and things like that. And then there's the difficulty in actually getting the help in a state where most of our firefighters live in these rural areas where mental, competent mental health clinicians are really hard to find. And then when they can find somebody, very often those people are not interested in working with worker comp cases because of the burden of a lot of bureaucracy and they feel they're not being compensated. So 
it's a long road to getting help. And this is happening to people who are acutely damaged at the moment and need help. They don't want to wait. And some of them don't. Now, I know Chief Burrow was just one of dozens of CAL FIRE employees you interviewed throughout the course of your reporting. Another one was another chief, Noel Banmiller. Can you tell me how Noel fits into the context of your series? Noelle fits into part three of the series. Part one is an overview um, that talks a lot about what PTSD is. Part two is specific to suicide. And it, it tells about a Cal Fire captain who, from the outside, for those who didn't know what was going on in his mind, looked like just a superhero, kind of archetypal, tall, blonde, could do anything kind of person. And he took his own life. He did not ask for help. He didn't talk to people. I, you know, obviously don't know exactly what went on in his mind, but he must have thought that he could do it himself. Noelle was similar from the standpoint that she well understood what trauma was, what PTSD was. She had a crew of folks and worried about them and their experience of fatigue and stress and trauma and didn't think that she had a problem with anything and whatever she was experiencing, she could handle herself. And eventually uh, that caught her in a crown fire that she was involved with. A crown fire is a fire that gets into the top of the tree. So these flame lengths are 300 feet. So 23, 24 story buildings, and it's extremely frightening. And she was trapped, surrounded by fire and was uh, spent a night not knowing how everybody around her was going to be doing and experienced a lot of stress just listening to the radio. So Noelle, in this experience, and also another one that led to some PTSD for her. And we have some audio of her. Uh, Why don't we give a listen to that? She's talking about processing her experiences in the field. I kept seeing the pictures of the crown fire in my head. And then I got up at four o'clock in the morning and I threw up bile. And I threw up every day after that for like four months in the mornings, in the early morning. And also I didn't sleep for four months. I really developed this idea that wasn't rational at all, that if I, that if I went to sleep, somehow my crew would get killed. Even though I had a really wonderful life at the time, I became like secretly suicidal because I couldn't make it stop. How have these kind of problems and what firefighters are wrestling with, how have they, how come they've been off of the radar for so long or or have they been? The thing that keeps this in the darkness is unfortunately shame, stigma associated with mental health issues. In fact, CAL FIRE doesn't use post-traumatic stress disorder as a term. They change it to injury. They call it PTSI so that their firefighters can understand this as an injury that can be overcome. So you have so many barriers to getting help, which start with recognizing your own problems, which I guess I'm not handling this well. Then you have to seek help. And these guys have a very real concern about what might happen in their career if they say, yeah, I had a hard time in that fire. I saw something or experienced something that I found traumatic and I can't get it out of my head. That's trauma. But 
they worry that that will have implications in their career in, in terms of uh, being promoted and things like that. And then there's the difficulty in actually getting the help in a state where most of our firefighters live in these rural areas where mental, competent mental health uh, clinicians are really hard to find. And then when they can find somebody, very often those people are not interested in working with worker comp cases because of the burden of a lot of bureaucracy and they feel they're not being compensated. So it's a long road to getting help. And this is happening to people who are acutely damaged at the moment and need help. They don't want to wait. And some of them don't. And finally, what is the bigger picture here beyond the community of Cal Fire firefighters? What's at stake for all of us as Californians in a state that increasingly has more and more wildfires? And these are the people we rely on to put those fires out and to be there the next time. Yeah, you can see this as a workplace safety issue in a way. We've all been sitting in a plane at a gate where there's an announcement that says, uh, hang on, everybody, we're looking for a pilot because the crew that we had had been working too long. There are laws uh, and regulations in place for pilots and, and people who drive trains who have public lives and safety in their hands. And they don't want them to make decisions when they're fatigued and understanding that you, you're not at your best. Yet, with our firefighters who are on the lines, they make a mistake or an error in judgment. They're putting themselves in jeopardy, potentially, their crewmates, and ultimately the public. All right. That is Cal Matters journalist Julie Cart. Julie, thanks so much for joining us on the California Report. It's good to be with you, Saul. And that is the California Report for Wednesday, June 22nd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio from a very stormy Los Angeles this morning. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from the Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved youth. The California Healthcare Foundation, working to build a more effective, compassionate, and just healthcare system on the web at chcf.org slash health equity. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food on the web at theschmidt.org. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. 
Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! <laughs> 